So welcome, friends. Uh, it is great to have you at church this morning. Thank you, Ben. That was an amazing time of worship together. Um, my name's Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Hills, and it is a joy to have you with us from wherever you are gathering. I'll extend my welcome to Mark and Leona's and uh, like them, just encourage you to comment. You know I'm an interactive preacher, so keep interacting, keep commenting, and uh, like, share, um, tag, comment. We want you to get around and be engaged in what's happening here. Hey, we're in, uh, in the midst of a series on wisdom. For those of you who are just tuning in for the very first time, you can check this series out on our website at hillsbaptist.com. Uh, and you can follow on what we've been talking about. But we're looking at the world in which we live and the, the desperate times that we have for wisdom. And we've looked at wisdom and what the nature of wisdom. We've looked at wisdom in wealth. We've looked at wisdom in suffering. We've looked at wisdom for meaning. Uh, tonight we're looking at wisdom for relationships. And today we come to the topic of wisdom for weakness. What does wisdom look like when we are weak? What is God's promise and God's plan and God's purpose and God's gift to us in a place of weakness. So I welcome you and we're, uh, we're going to go to a strange part of the Bible this morning that often probably doesn't get preached but it's from Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30 from verse 24 through to verse 28 and we're going to read it from the New Living Translation which says this, there are four things that are small on the earth, but they are very wise. The ants are not a strong people, but they store up their food in summer. The badgers are not a strong people, but they make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, but they go as an army. And you can take a lizard in your hands, but it is found in king's palaces." Father God, speak through your word, Lord Jesus, as we gather today. As always, I pray that I would step right out of the way. Lord, that you would proclaim your word through this vessel. Lord, make my tongue your instrument. May you play, may you sing, may you speak. And God, do what only you can do. Cut to dividing soul and spirit. Lord, may your truth be revealed in our lives and be made manifest in our lives. So, Father God, we thank you for your word. We love your word. We love you. We love your promises. And we want to hold on to them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you uh, in this season, but there's a lot of things that already just a, a couple of weeks in that I am missing. I, uh, I am missing so many things in this season of mass can cancellations. I, I'm missing having people over for dinner. I don't know about you, I'm missing being able to hang out with a group of people in my house. I am missing hugs. And I know some of you introverts out there are loving this 1.5 metre distance thing. I've got Mark Sanders in the background raising his hands and celebrating. I know some of you are missing that, but let me tell you something. This extrovert, when this season is over, you better brace yourself because there is a big hug that is coming your way and it is going to get you. And Mark Grant's cheering with me. I'm telling you, I'm missing hugs. I'm missing this sort of connectedness. I'm missing being able to, um, I'm missing being able to be in a room full of people and have a, not knowing where the conversation might go, like that endless possibility of conversation you can have with someone. Again, some of you are like, what the heck? But I love that stuff. And I'm missing sport. Is anyone else missing sport? 
in this community. I am missing sport something fierce. I'm missing the NBA, the MLB, the AFL, the NCAA. You can just keep throwing letters and those sports are missing. Not necessarily missing the watching because I don't actually watch a lot, but I am really missing the following. I'm missing the intrigue, I'm missing the ups and the downs, I'm, I'm missing the perpetual disappointment, funnily enough, of being a Port Adelaide supporter. And who knows, Power fans, it may work in our favour because we're usually great at the beginning and terrible at the end. So I'm missing that. Um, but funnily enough, the, thing I, the sport I, I think I'm missing the most is actually my kids. I love being able to go and watch my kids run around. I love watching my kids learning. I love watching my kids play. And I love being able to coach because I coach my kids. I love that part of life. And, and I'm missing that. And when I say that I'm missing coaching my young children, I didn't ever think that would be a thing that I would actually say. Because before having kids in sport, I was someone who coached older people. I, coached, I loved coaching that sort of 16, 17, 18-year-old bracket, uh, young men who are on the verge of the next level, on the verge of stepping into something new uh, and, and taking their talent to, to higher places. And I used to love coaching them. And so when I started coaching my kids, I wasn't quite sure how that was going to go because you're going from this experience and, and, a, and a level of talent to the very, very beginning. And I remember the first season coaching my oldest son, there were six and seven-year-olds and they were playing in under 10s. So they're playing against nine-year-olds, eight-year-olds, and they were tiny, and they were super, super cute. But goodness me, there were moments of frustration. I will never forget the time when I'm coaching and there's more kids doing cartwheels in the middle of the court than there are chasing the ball. There's more kids dancing. There's kids picking their nose. There's this whole level of frustration. And particularly, I think, one of the things that frustrated me so much was that when we finally did get the ball, we so struggled to hang on to it. These kids, we, they'd get the ball and there'd be this excitement, but then they'd just stand there as bigger, badder, faster, stronger opposition would come and just rip that ball right out of their hands and go dribbling down the court. And I used to get frustrated because I think, why can't you just hang on to it? And then I realised that the problem was that these kids, they'd never played before. They, they had never learned how to protect that ball. And so for them, they just got the ball and thought, there's the ring, I have to go that way. And there was someone who was bigger and stronger in their path, blocking their path. And because we didn't know how to go around and we didn't know how to open up new opportunities, the ball would just get stripped out of their hands. And so I realised we had to go back to the very, very basics, of course, because they were beginners, and we had to teach them how to protect what they'd been given. And so we went back and we started to teach these kids how to stand in a position of possibility, how to stand in a position of opportunity, a position of, of power, even though they are weak, even though they were smaller, even though they, they didn't have the, maybe the skill level of the person that was coming against them, they could stand in this position and they could learn something really important in sport, which is this capacity to pivot. This ability to, I've got the ball in my hand, this person's right in front of me, I can either stand here and have them take that out of my hands 
or I can learn to pivot. And as I learn to pivot, as I learn to change direction, I actually use my body to protect the ball against my opposition and I can go in a different direction. I open up new opportunities. I open up new passing lanes, new driving lanes, new opportunities to score. And I've been reflecting on that this week as I've been looking at this wisdom for weakness and I realized that actually this is a word in season for us. That actually as the church, we are in a place that we have not been in the West for many, many, many years. We have an adversary who is bigger than us, who is stronger than us, who is, who is beyond our capacity just to keep on doing what we've always been doing. And it is scary and it's frightening. And there is a tendency to say, I don't know what to do. Just, I'm just going to lay down. Just take it. Just move on with it. But actually what God is saying is this is a season for the church to pivot to learn to pivot, to learn to, to look at life differently. Just because your intended path has been impeded doesn't mean another isn't possible. It doesn't mean that actually there's not a different way. And so often we think, well, what am I going to do? These giants in front of me, I've lost my job. I can't pay my bills. I've got no food. I've got this. I don't have that. And we look at it and we say, opposition coming out, take the ball, I'm done. But maybe what God is saying is, no, no, no. I'm actually calling you to a different place. I'm actually calling you in a new direction. I'm calling you to pivot. There is wisdom in the pivot. And it might not be where you wanted to go. It might not be where you thought you would go. But it may just be the very place you need to go in order to fulfill the upward high call of God that his kingdom might grow and his name might get glory. Because friends, that's what this life is about. It is about living for the glory of God. And so often and for so long, we have lived for ourselves. And I just feel like this is a word in season for the church, that the church in the West needs to learn to pivot. You see, we need to learn from our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church all over the world who for years and years have learnt to pivot. They were doing one thing, they were reading their Bibles, they were worshipping together and all of a sudden persecution came, an adversary came to steal, kill and destroy, to take what they had and they had to learn either we just lay down and we just let our enemy win or we pivot, we go in a new direction, we look at the wisdom of God in the midst of weakness and we say, well, what is God doing? What door is he opening? What door do I need to knock on? How can I do things differently in order to step into the purpose and the providence of God in this season and our brothers and sisters in persecuted churches all over the world have been doing this they have been pivoting and they have seen despite their weakness despite their pain despite their hardship and suffering what they have seen is millions coming to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Millions of people's lives transformed. Millions of people are seeing the gospel and meeting Christ in powerful ways because that church has learned to pivot. And I think in the West, we have had comfort. We have been able to go about our business undeterred, unfettered. We've just been doing what we've always done. And friends, we've been living in a season 
where as the church we have been declining in number, influence and impact and just maybe this season is for the church for a reason because God is saying, no, I want you to learn how to pivot. I want you to learn how to change direction. And as I was praying about this, the Lord led me to the church of Laodicea where it says, you say I am rich, I have grown wealthy and need nothing, but you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Just maybe the Western church, we've lived in comfort for way too long and God is giving us through this season an opportunity to pivot, an opportunity to recognise that we are weak, but as we are weak, He is strong and His power is made perfect in our weakness. And if we would learn to pivot, we would see change. And friends, I feel like singing that the times, they are a changing. Because let me tell you something, last week, churches all over the West were forced to either be silent and to sit down or to pivot and do something different. And you know what happened? The churches all over the West took that opportunity and we pivoted. And as churches pivoted, it was not easy. It wasn't something that just happened in a comfortable way. No, it was a lot of work. It was difficult. It was trying. It involved us surrendering uh, our just strength that we thought that we had. But we have seen thousands, if not millions of people for the very first time hear the good news of the gospel of grace. And some of you right now watching this are tuning into church for the very first time. You would never walk through the doors of a church, but you will walk through the doors of Facebook. You will walk through the doors of the internet and you are encountering a gospel of grace that says you are loved, you are chosen, you are accepted in Christ, that He is for you and not against you and that he has a hope for you in this season if you will surrender to the supremacy of Christ. If you will begin to walk in wisdom, you will know peace. You will know hope in this season. If you would learn to pivot towards the wisdom of God, away from the ways of the world, pivot into the wisdom of God. As we pivot into the wisdom of God, doing something different for His ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. As we learn to do that, we gain wisdom, we gain hope and we walk in the promises of God. And as we come to this passage today, I want you to understand that there is a wisdom for those who are weak. There is wisdom for weakness. And when we come to Proverbs 30, we come to the sayings of a man named Agur. And if you are uh, at home and you want to say that out loud, you can say that out loud. Agur. And it, 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 we don't really know who this bloke is. Um, some scholars would say that this is just a pseudonym for Solomon. Others disagree with that. So we don't actually know who this man is, but we do know that if he is not Solomon, he is like Solomon, that he is someone who has spent his days looking at the world. He has spent his time gleaning wisdom. And in doing so, he then reports, he then wrote, writes beautifully and poetically and he, he drops this amazing chapter on wisdom and the nature of wisdom. And we come to this fascinating few verses in verse 24 through 28, where we realise something that there is wisdom for weakness. But that is the first pivot right there. 
is that we need to acknowledge our weakness. We need to recognize that we need God. For so long we have relied on ourselves. For so long we can go to the pantry and pull out the wheat bix. For so long we can just go to the shops when we're in need and buy what we need for when we need it. And all of a sudden these comforts are gone and we're realizing that the ground on which we stand is shaky ground. And we need to recognize that we are weak. It's a humbling process. James 4 verse 10. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. When we humble ourselves, when we acknowledge that we are broken, when we acknowledge that we are weak, that we need a great God, we need a Savior, we need His power, then we will start to walk in wisdom. Then we can start to look at the sayings of Agur and we can grasp what He's saying to us because what we see in these verses is that for those who acknowledge their weakness, there is, there is a path and there is a promise for that path. There is a path and there is a promise for that path. Let's go to the first one, verse 24 and verse 25. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, and yet they store up their food in the summer. It seems odd when we're talking about the church and we're talking about the season that we're in and we're talking about wisdom that we would look to the ant because the ant like how often have you just stomped on an ant how often do you just neglect the ant cruising around but actually there's so much wisdom in the life of the ant and a girl points it out they are the it says here that they are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in summer. Let me tell you something. Here's the path. Stay diligent. In this season, stay diligent. And here's the promise God will provide. Stay diligent and God will provide. You have a choice in this season. Do you drop the ball? Do you give up? Do you just keep trying to go through the person, the, the adversary that's bigger and stronger and faster and say, here, take it? Or do you pivot? Do you look for a new direction? Do you stay diligent? Do you keep looking for new opportunities? And as you stay diligent and as you keep working, the wisdom of God, the promise of God is that He will provide. Just like the ants who work furiously, they never, ever, ever stop. They are working, they are working, they are working and God provides for them in their winter. Because they have been diligent, because they have stored up what they've, they've diligently worked for in the summer, God provides. And it's true for us. If we stay diligent, if we keep our hands to the plow, God will provide because He is faithful. Let me read to you. My God from Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Let me go to Matthew chapter 6. This is a famous one. Verse 25 to 34, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they, friends? 
Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, the, the author of so much of Proverbs, in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom. Be diligent and know that our God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Do you know the Proverbs author in Solomon in chapter 6 also talks about the ant. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. There's something about the ant. Get around the ant because God is our provider. Now, let me give you just a point B of this is that how does God provide? And I want you to see something in the end, which I learned this week, which I didn't know before, which kind of grossed me out, but at the same time was super cool. You know when you see ants walking along and they, they looks like they've lost their way and they butt heads and they bang into each other. Do you know what's actually happening there? Ants are feeding each other. Gross. Ants have two stomachs. They have a stomach for self and they have a social stomach. And so what ants will do, because they're diligent and they're working, an ant will consume food enough for itself and they will consume in their social stomach so that when they see a brother and sister in need, they can give out of their excess so that their brother and sister ant in need can continue to walk and do what God has called them to do. Friends, this is a beautiful picture of wisdom in the church. God has given some of us a great capacity to bless other people. Some of you have the excess social stomach right now and the call of God is that he didn't bless you so that you could sit on your hands and be a blessing unto yourself. He gave you what he's given you so that you could be giving and generous to those in need. This is the call of God. So often God meets the need. God supplies our need through the people. Go to Acts chapter 2 verse 44 and 45, the early church. What does it say? It says they gave generously to anyone who had need. This is a picture of the church. The ant is a picture of the church and how the church should behave and how God wants to bless, protect and provide for his people. We are called to be diligent and to rest in the provision of God. Second thing, when we go to verse 26, it says that badgers are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags of rocks. What's with that? It seems weird. But let me tell you something. That word, the bad, that word there, the Hebrew word that we use that we translate badger can also be translated rabbit. And it goes back and forth. But basically what it's saying is that these critters, these creatures are weak. They're vulnerable. They seem stupid at times. But it says something about them. They are wise. Why are they wise? Because they make their home in the rock. They actually recognize that because they are weak, that they need to hide in the shelter 
of the rock. And here's the thing that I realized. When we rest in the rock, we rest in the promise of God's protection. When we rest in the rock, we become as strong as the rock in which we rest. The adversary that comes to to get the badger, to get the rabbit, when the rabbit is in the rock, it cannot get in there because the rock is its protection and its strength. And I want us to realize, friends, that this is a call to us that in the pivot, as we seek to change direction, the path is to stop resting in our own comfort, stop resting in our own strength, stop resting in the work of our own hands, the security of a job, the, 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 the security of just the people around us, and start to rest in the rock of Christ. Start to stand on the rock. I love Psalm 61, 1 to 3. Hear, O God, my cry. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against my foe. Friends, If badgers, rabbits have the wisdom to rest in the rock, knowing that their God will protect them, just maybe the call for humanity in this season is to begin to rest in the rock of Christ. Because God will protect those who rest in him. Psalm 91 verse 4, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find Refuge, Friends, I just came to speak a word of encouragement this morning that as you rest in Christ, the rock the builders rejected who has become the cornerstone, the foundation on which the church is built, the one true rock that will never ever be shaken when we rest in him, you need not fear because he has you. He's got you. Friends, the same God that spoke creation into existence has you. The same God who held Abraham on his way to Canaan. The same God who held Moses through the desert. The same God who held Joseph in the bowels of an Egyptian prison. The same God who held Esther as she broached a conversation with the king. The same God who held Ruth as she was suffering from famine and heartache. The same God who held John on the island of Patmos. That same God holds you. He is immovable. He is unchangeable. His promises are true. And in the pivot, as you change direction, as you take a a risk, as you trust in the wisdom of God, His promise is that He has you. Through many dangers, toils and snares, God is for you and He has you. What the enemy intended for evil, God will work it for good. And I believe the wisdom of God is that he is bringing about mighty things in his kingdom through this season. We've got to keep moving. Third thing, the locusts. The locusts. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. It reminds me of the early church, doesn't it? They were all together in one place. Jesus had suffered and he had died and he told them to wait and it was so easy for them to scatter because their king had gone, their leader had gone. And yet he promised them 
He said, go and I will give you the counsellor. I will give you the spirit. I am starting a new thing. I am starting my church. And as they were together, they were empowered. Here's the thing. Here's the path. Stay connected and be empowered. Stay connected and be empowered. Friends, I want to change the narrative. We keep talking social distancing. Let's not socially distance, let's physically distance and socially engage. We are blessed with technology. Now is the season to use it, friends. Learn it. If you don't know it, don't be too scared to ask. Someone can help you. Learn technology, use technology. We are not called to be distance. We are not called to be uh, isolated. We are called to be connected. So physically isolate, but socially engage. Use the technology that we've been given to continue communicating, continue meeting, continue praying, continue worshipping, continue talking to each other. Because when the church stays together, it is empowered by the Spirit of God to go and advance as an army and do great things in the world. Just like the locusts, this is the wisdom of God. And it might feel like we're isolated. It might feel like our leaders, you know, the leaders are not here. You don't have to be in church on a Sunday to be fed. Get into the Word. Chase after God and you watch what he will do as the church stays connected. There will be a mighty, powerful, reviving move of his spirit in this season. Because the wisdom of the locusts is though they are weak, they are wise because they stay together. Though we are weak, we are wise if we stay together. I'm going to call the band up. And we're going to go to the last one, which is really interesting because in the NLT, in the NLT as we, as we read at the start, where is, can we put that up, Nick? In the NLT it says, you can take the lizard in your hands, but it is found in king's houses. But actually most other translations don't translate it that way. Most other translations talk about the spider. The New King James Version puts it this way. It says, the spider skillfully grasped with its hand and in and it is found in king's palaces. Here's, here's the path and here's the promise. Because God is your provider, protector, and empowerer, anything is possible. Anything is impossible. But begin and learn to lay hold the promises of God. Begin to lay hold. I love that. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands. And because it's grasping with its hands, it is found in king's palaces. Lay hold the promises of God. Use your hands. Grasp the promises. A day is coming and has now come where we as the church more than ever cannot rely on the person next to us or the person over there to be the one who is speaking stuff over us. No, we need to lay hold of it ourselves. The wisdom of God 
in our weakness, in our situation, lay hold of the promises of God, grasp the promises of God, declare the promises of God, declare that this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will not wake up and read the negative news. I will not wake up and despair. No, I will wake up and declare that my God is good. My God is faithful. Guess what? Every mess has a message. Every test has a testimony. The bigger the mess, the greater the message. The greater the test, the greater the testimony. God is bringing something powerful out of this. He is going to put the church in king's palaces because we lay hold of the promises of God. And as we do, the world will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is why we are here. Not to build up our own name, not to establish our own fame, but to proclaim the name of Jesus that the world would know that he is Lord because we lay hold of the promises we will find ourselves in king's palaces. Friends, God is your provider, your protector, your empowerer, and he is the one who will open doors of possibility that have never been opened before. It is the season of change, but this is the wisdom for the weak. So friends, let's get on our knees. Let's acknowledge our weakness. We need him. More than ever, we need him. We need him. And this is a message to the church in the West to stop relying on self, to stop relying on our capacity and to dive in deep, to come before a holy God and say, what a wretch I am. I need you. I need you. I need you. And in our weakness, to know that he's our provider, protector, and empower and he will empower us into incredible possibilities. Would you stand to your feet wherever you are? We're going to pray together, then the band's just going to lead us in one chorus, and after that chorus, Mark's going to come back up, and we're going to go to our Zoom groups. But before we do that, I feel strongly in my heart, if you're someone right here, right now, who's been watching this, and you've heard a message of, of hope, you've heard a message of wisdom, you've heard a message that has caused something to stir in your heart that you've never heard before, I want to give you the opportunity to take hold of that, as we just said, to lay hold of the promise of God. And maybe for you in this moment, it's time for you to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. And so if that's you, I want you to pray with me and pray with us as a church as we're standing at our feet. We're going to pray together. Pray with us and receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And if you do that, if you make that decision, we want you just to send us a message on our Hills Baptist. You'll see the Facebook page where you're watching this. Send us a private message. Contact us by that Connect card, which is the links in the description. And let us know. And we'd love to get in contact with you. And we'd love to be like that locust. We'd love to champion you in this season of physical distancing. So church, let's pray together. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are mighty. We thank you that in you is wisdom. And we thank you that it doesn't look wise to be an ant. It doesn't look wise to be a badger. It doesn't look wise to be a locust or a lizard or spider. And yet in them is profound wisdom for how we as the people of God are called to live our lives. Father God, may we pivot. May we walk the new path. May we stay diligent, Lord. May we learn to rest in the rock. Father, may we learn to take hold 
of the promises for which you have given us. And may we, in a season of physical distancing, do everything in our power to stay connected, that we might be filled with the Spirit. And so, Lord, right now, for all those people out there who want to receive Jesus as Lord, we say yes and amen. We thank you, God, for the work you're doing in their lives. And we thank you, God, for birthing hope where there is no hope, faith where there had been no faith. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' almighty name, we pray. Together with one loud voice, everyone said, Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.